channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy sponsored by SAGE. Supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker. And on today's show, we are going to talk about Verisage Laws. Hey, Ron, how you doing? I'm great, Ed. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, listen, I've been really excited about this topic for quite some time. In fact, I think as you and I brainstormed topics for the show over a year ago when we were first coming on the air, I think this was a topic. And for some reason or another, it just kept getting pushed off and pushed off and pushed off, I guess, because we've had so many other great topics and, and guests that have come, come in front of it. But I'm, I'm really excited to talk about this. I am too. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, smart people who say a lot of brilliant things, even in offhanded ways. So, so some of these laws are incredibly profound. Yes, I think that's how a lot of them are born too. Somebody just says something in the middle of uh, ta- talking, and and oh, that's really good. Let's let's keep that. And I, <laughs> let's I just remember wonder, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wonder how many times something has has come out of any of the colleagues at Verisage. Uh, that we didn't capture it. So we've got a, a bunch of them that we have captured. But listen, before we get to that, a couple of things. First, we want to let people know that if you want to call in today, that would be great. You can call 866-472-5790, and we're happy to take your call. Of course, you can follow us along on Twitter at hashtag AskTSOE, and we do monitor that during the show. So if you just are shy and don't want to call in, instead you just want to Hashtag us. We're happy to do that. In fact, I think we want to get to a couple of Twitter questions that have come up, Ron, over the past couple of weeks. So maybe we'll we'll deal with that a little bit later in the show. But okay. uh, before we even talk about Verisage laws, uh, we and if those of you who have followed us along on Voice America and also uh, know that Ron and I are speaking at the Sage Summit 2015. I'm an employee of Sage, and we are both. Uh, speaking at that event. In fact, we're doing some live shows from the floor of Summit. I'm really jazzed about that. We're going to have folks from Voice America uh, at at the show in New Orleans at the convention center. They got a radio booth for us set up, Ron. We're going to interview, I don't know, 12 or 14 guests. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, so those of you that are are listening in and, and are coming to Sage Summit, we we hope that you will stop by and hey, even heckle us for a while because we're <laughs> every day uh, from two to three in the the radio broadcast area, and there are other radio stations which I'll remain nameless that are also broadcasting, but it is it is Voice Americas from from two to three every day. So we're looking forward to that, and our good friends at Voice America have been 
holding a contest to uh, have people to uh, apply to come to Sage Summit. We're really thrilled to announce some winners, Ron. So I'm just going to go through and, and congratulate those winners, and hopefully those uh, those might be hearing us or they will uh, will want to stop by at, during the, the recording of our shows at, at Summit. And those are Virginia uh, Colon or Colin, I guess it is, C-O-L-I-N. I guess we're going to go with the Colin Powell being, as Colin Powell is one of the speakers at Sage Summit. <laughs> so Virginia Colin, Ann Beal, Barbara Young, Lindsay Boyd, Prudence Jensman, and Simran Singh. So congratulations to those six individuals, and we hope to see you at Sage Summit 2015 during the the live uh, sold of enterprise from the show floor. So uh, thanks. Thanks for, for being contest winners. And, and we look forward to meeting with you. And Ed, I know the, the summit is your Super Bowl, and you're doing quite a few breakout sessions or, or talks. <laughs> uh, you want to give us a preview on maybe just a couple of them? What are some oh, of your gosh. topics? Um, yeah. Listen, now you're putting me in a spot if I can remember them. I think I've got officially six sessions. I'm not not going to sure if I can r- rattle them all off without without looking. I did do a blog post on this too today so we can get that on on part of the show notes. And uh but I know that I'm doing w- actually one of your topics, Ron. I blatantly stole from you measure what matters. Oh, excellent. So, pretty happy to 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 do that. Of course, it's it's my little spin on it. A lot of lot of material that that we've worked on together, so uh pretty thrilled to do that one. And then uh, two sessions that I'm doing kind of back to back in in uh, in a row at, because it's really a part one and a part two is creating vision in a small organization and then creating strategy in a small organization and I really love talking about both of those topics I, I've been talking about those topics ever since I became a kind of a public speaker if you will they, they were probably one of the first two topics that that I've done and that presentation has really honed itself over the years. It's, it's gotten better and better as I've added more material, mostly, by the way, from people uh, in the audience <laughs> who have right, shared right. shared great stories with me. Uh, I'm doing a session on uh, increasing user adoption, which is a fascinating session because this was the direct outgrowth of a kind of off off the cuff session I did, I think, three years ago. When we in, when we launched our Sage City event, and it, it was just something that came up as being a topic that people wanted to talk about, and I was blown away by the number of of people, mostly IT folks. So this is like the 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 technical folks and organizations who had challenges in working with people inside their organizations who were resisting, um, it, it, you know, whether whether it was a Sage system or not, and implementing a new solution. Yes, and it really kind of took me by surprise because I would w- would have thought, well, if you're, you're coming to Sage Summit, you probably are already an, a, a well-established user. But apparently, there's still challenges with that. I, I bet even Greg Tarico mentioned that last week, didn't he? About uh, email in his in his own business. Um, yeah, trying to get people away from it and use the tool that they <laughs> that they make instead. Yeah. 
Yep, exactly. So it, it, it can it constantly becomes a challenge and whether it's you know, it's just, just all of our resistance to change and that's one of the things that I'll talk about there. Uh, I'm also doing a session that that I owe directly to Howard Hansen and Steve Jeske of uh, Healing Leadership fame. In fact, that's the, the title of the session is Healing Leadership uh, Leadership in the Age of the Quick Fix. So um, I, I love talking about that topic too. We we when we've uh, we've talked to that about that a number of times on the show. And then another one which I'm really excited to do because I've never done it in this particular form is a session on asking effective questions and or and, and how to better ask effective questions. Oh, fantastic. So Wow. I hope I can get it to all these. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got a couple of your own, right? I do. I'm doing uh, Mr. Spock and Homer Simpson, the two sides of human behavior, which, of course, we've talked about on this mm-hmm. show. And uh, our favorite topic, Ed, replacing the annual performance appraisal agony. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got some support on that one this week, didn't we? We did. Did you see where Accenture has killed the annual performance reviews and Woo-hoo! the rankings? I know. And lots of other companies are out there starting to talk about it, and some have done it, Microsoft and Adobe and a few others. It's really exciting to see this. Those dreaded ranking systems. I I had some some friends um, who... Who who lasted at Microsoft quite some time, and I say lasted. That's what, what was the only thing that they really felt that they were doing was was just lasting, uh, and w- had emotional scars from the the ranking system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it was I, it was not good. I, whoever thinks that that increases performance, uh, and and why do we need internal competition? Don't we have enough external <laughs> competition to worry about? <laughs> oh, good gravy! Yeah, I, 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 I've never thought about it in that context, but you're absolutely right. I mean, aren't we on the same team here? Why do we? Why are we? Why are we setting ourselves up for this? I mean, and it's and it's right out of bell curve, right? I mean, it's right. It's right out of college grading. It, like, it is. Couldn't we just le- have left that in college? Yeah, absolutely. And the other exciting thing about the Summit, Ed, is uh, you and I will be doing some book signings. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we will. So if you want to get a copy of The Soul of Enterprise and have us sign it, you can certainly purchase a copy during the show, but also just bring one with you. Bring any of, of Ron's books uh, that uh, – that you have, he'll be happy to sign them as well. But also, uh, we—if you do buy the hard copy at the at the show, we'll be taking your names and we will give you a free Kindle edition. So don't worry about if you're if you really want to read it on Kindle. It'll it'll it'll, it'll we'll, we'll make that work for you. Absolutely, that's great. Well, I'm looking forward to it, Ed, in, in beautiful New Orleans too. Yes, that stay, and we're all going to stay inside. Bring. <laughs> <laughs> Bring extra uh, extra T-shirts and and extra deodorant, right? <laughs> yes, thank heavens for air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, no, but the convention center there is beautiful. I've been there before, so look look forward to to being in in there. And and of course, there's great food in New Orleans, so that's that's always that's always a treat to go to a great city like that. Absolutely. All right, so here's the deal, Ron. We're almost through our first segment. We were talking about Sage Summit, which is is great, and we but we haven't talked about many of these laws. Let, let's just set this up a little bit before okay. we talk about them, and maybe we'll we'll go to the break a little bit early and see. But what do you think? What talk about these these law or just laws in general? What are your what is your perception about these the either Verisage laws or just you know like laws of physics that kind of stuff? 
Yeah, I think they're deeply held beliefs that we have that that may be quite contrarian. You know, and I just started the book by Peter Thiel, Z- uh, Zero to One. Mm-hmm. And in all job, the founder of PayPal, and in all job interviews, he asks one question. Tell me something you believe that defies conventional wisdom. That's a great question. It is a great question. And you know what? I thought about it in the context of these laws. Most of these laws ruffle feathers, right? And some of <laughs> right. them, some of them don't. Like maybe the first one we're going to talk about doesn't, but a lot of them do. But we believe them. And we think we have empirical evidence to prove it. And, and that's kind of how now I, I start thinking about these. Um, it, it's not that we're trying to be contrarian for contrarian's sake. It's just that the evidence has led us to these conclusions, like, like getting rid of the performance appraisal system. That's obviously not conventional wisdom yet. Yeah, it quickly becoming, though. <laughs> I hope so. I hope this is a trend. So that's one thing. The other thing is I don't know if they're all technically laws. They're axioms or mantras that we have or things that we have just become part of our vocabulary or part of our presentations or part of our dialogues on certain topics. And it's really interesting because almost all the fellows at Verisage have their little pet causes. And so there's a lot of there's a lot of profundity out there with these with these laws. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they're, and they're, and in some cases they're just fun. (laughs) Yeah, they are. (laughs) And they're fun. They're fun to talk out, toss out there because you do get in some cases a very visceral reaction to it. I know that there's one that we're going to talk about that I I, I think it almost provokes violence. The one that I'm thinking of. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You can tell that story maybe uh, when we get there. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Kind of crazy. Well, listen, we are uh, just about on our break. So before we get into this conversation about the Verisage laws, we want to remind you that you can get a hold of us at TSOE at Verisage.com that will send an email both to Ron and myself. Of course, our website, which has been up for a little while now, thesoulofenterprise.com, where you can listen to past shows and also get show notes. And also click on a link to get a copy of the book, The Soul of Enterprise, so we're happy for you to do that. Uh, but also, again, just a reminder, if you want to get a hold of us today, 866-472-5790. Love to have you call in, but we know most of you do listen in arrears on the uh, Voice America channel and also iTunes. And don't forget to leave those iTunes reviews. They really are important to us, and uh, we really do appreciate that. But now, first, we're going to go to our break and hear from our friends at Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. We build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? 
I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about Verisage laws, and I'd like to remind you that you could email Ed or myself at TSOE at Verisage.com. And if you are going to be at Sage Summit, we'd love to meet with you. So make sure you find us or one of us or both of us or listen to the shows that we'll be uh, doing live from the summit. And Ed, I guess the first law that I want to dive in, or it was actually my first law, which was Baker's Law, um, it's bad customers drive out good customers. And mm-hmm. I guess part of these laws are come from just, like we said, our observations and talking with people and empirical evidence. But this particular one also comes from flying too much. So watching how, <laughs> <laughs> watching how airlines, uh, you know, uh, deal with their customers and segment their customers and, and, uh, when I wrote about this, I, I used the line, you know, from, from the declaration, all men are created equal, because there was a great Federalist by the name of Fisher Ames, who was an ardent opponent of Thomas Jefferson. And every time somebody would say all men are created equal, he'd stand up and shout and differ greatly in the sequel. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the fact of the matter is all customers are not equal and bad customers do have a tendency to drive out good customers. They take a disproportionate amount of capacity. They're probably a disproportionate liability or malpractice risk. Uh, they're, they're less profitable. And so I, I really think, especially in a professional firm context, that bad customers really do drive out customers. And I have to say, when, when every time I've told an audience this, the reaction has been very, very positive. People do get this. There doesn't seem to be a lot of argument. The argument's over what to do about it. Yes, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it, it, it's clear that this is true, and it's really now. Now, this is a riff on what Grisham's law, right? Which is right. which is good, uh, bad money drives out good money. Correct. Yep. Right, but I, look. At one point, I am totally in alignment with you. In fact, I, I talked about this on a webcast that I did earlier this week with the folks at the Sleater Group, by the way. And I know Doug is going to be at. Uh, at Summit as well. But uh, I was talking about the fact that we need to, as professionals, uh, never complain to in front of our customers that we're busy. Exactly. And, you know, it, and it, it, it amazes me how often I hear professionals talk about that and they, and they talk about it on a regular basis. And in fact, one of the jokes is, you know, the only socially acceptable answer to many professionals to the, to, to the question, how are you, is in fact busy. 
mm-hmm. right? That's the only socially acceptable. How are you? Well, I'm busy. And and we'll when we'll t- as professionals, we'll tend to say that to our A level customers because why? Because they're nice people, right? And that we know that they will be compassionate towards us, and we we might get well. That, that's great. But here's the other thing that saying that does is it also because they're nice people. They'll say, okay, well, I don't want to call Ed because, you know, he's really busy. Exactly. Or I don't want to <laughs> refer anybody to Ed because yeah. he can't handle anymore. Yeah, double whammy, right? It I is. I mean, and, the, and what you want, you, you know, this is why we want professionals to have excess capacity. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I am literally sitting here with a bill from my dentist on my desk because just, you know, the process came through. And I was just, so I was just reminded of this story. You know, I don't want my dentist at 100% capacity because if if he is, when I call up, he's going to say, well, Ed, I'm sorry you have a toothache, but I can't get you in for two weeks, yeah. right? I, I want him to say, Ed, yep, plenty of room for you. Come on in at, you know, 3 o'clock, right? And so I, I, I want him to have ex- excess capacity. Now, is he the cheapest dentist in town? Heck no, but, but, but that's why, right? Right. It's, it, and that's the other thing that the airlines taught me is, you know, they're, they're, they're experts at managing that capacity, but they save their capacity for who? Their best customers. Mm-hmm. They don't add capacity for Priceline.customers customers or bereavement fare customers. They only add capacity if, if for their business class or their first class passengers. And they always hold some of those seats back, just like the hotels do for their best customers. And businesses need to do the same thing. So they can always service their best customers. You never want to turn a best customer away, even on a short notice. Yep. And the reaction I get is, is well, I, I, I will always service my best customers. And I, and I agree that you probably will. But I am, I'm also saying that because these customers are generally nice people, and which is why they're good customers in the first place, they, they won't call. They won't call. You know, one of my favorite answers to that question, uh, how's business or, you know, how, how are things going, whatever it might be from the customer, is to say business is great. We're always looking for more. Yep. Great, great example. So the other thing, too, about, you know, what do you do about this fact that bad customers drive out good customers? Well, you, you call your customer base. I don't like the term firing customers, but you know, outsourcing them or, you know, letting your competitors have them, however you want to think about it. But there is one caveat there, isn't there? Your customers aren't going to get better until you do. So you might have a customer in your ranks who you think is, is D or an F or whatever, but you know what? You've never given them an opportunity to be an A or B customer, maybe because you don't have a first class or business class option for them. You only give them one choice take it or leave it and i think that's a really important thing is to realize we're not going to get better or our customers don't get better until we do i completely agree and what you've got to do is you you've got you got to fix your service first you've got to fix fix your capacity and start saying no to those bad customers yeah, don't and and certainly don't add capacity. You know, our late colleague Paulo Byrne used to say, if if professionals ran airlines, they'd build the the, the two story deck on the plane for the back of the plane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of the seven forty seven with the uh, with the supersized uh, cheapskate fare. Uh, yeah, what a. Yeah, terrible idea that would be. And uh, actually, from an aerodynamic standpoint, it probably would be good, even better. But no, that's not what it's there for. 
<laughs> and and when you look at that 2080 rule, Ed, that we always talk about, when you look at it in terms of revenue, it's pretty straightforward. 20% of your customers drive 80% of your revenue. But if you do some back-of-the-envelope cost accounting exercises, you'll find that 20% of your customers may drive 140 or even more percent of your profit. And that's where you really have to start thinking about calling your customers uh, because it's very counterintuitive, but less customers equals more profit. Ah, the whale. The Ahoy! Whale. There yes. are she blows. <laughs> the whale. That's for, yeah, just folks, that's from uh, Matthew Stewart's book, The Management Myth. And when he was a consultant, he talks a lot about the whale. It's the first thing they let off with in, in every uh, new customer meeting was the whale analysis. And it is pretty interesting. Um, the other thing that firms can do, though, with it, Ed, is they can do what, uh, and this is another one of our colleagues' kind of laws, called a forced churn, where possibly rather than just dumping 20 or 30 percent of your customer base in one fell swoop, you do it gradually. So for every new customer you add, maybe you knock off one or two. And then that way it doesn't feel like such a hit. Because in my experience, it, it's very difficult to get businesses to fire customers deliberately. They just don't want to do it. No. And I don't know if this is just the technology folks that I tend to work with. I'm sure you have heard it from a, a CPA perspective and, and maybe even for lawyers will say this too. Absolutely. Is like they're, they're, they're like, but what, what, if, what if that, the one customer that, yes, I've only been, you know, uh, we're only doing like $500 a year for, what if next week they need the upgrade? That's, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the the acorn will will grow into a mighty oak overnight. Uh, that, yeah. yeah, that that's that's a pretty bad bet. <laughs> but <laughs> but know, I just, uh, that's what I hear all the time, though. No, absolutely. I, in fact, I was just listening, just uh, coincidentally, to our late colleague Paul O'Byrne deliver a couple talks over when he was in Australia, and he he told the story multiple times about how his firm went from five hundred clients to below a hundred in two years. He said, we actually developed a core competency in firing clients. Now, this went along with business strategy change and pricing changes and all these other changes they were making, but he got really good. His firm got really good at terminating customers. And and just on that note, Ed, his partner who carries on their firm, every year, and this is an accounting firm, every year he meets with the customer And not only is it a value conversation, it is a conversation that begins with, should we continue our relationship? He puts every relationship up for grabs every single year. That's brilliant. And doesn't take it for granted that he's going to continue to be their accountant, which I find amazing. And it works really well for him. And it works on both sides, too. I mean, and, and Peter Block actually talks about this, too, in his consulting cycle where he says, hey, listen, termination has to be constantly put on the table as an, as an option. And it's, it, and it's okay. It's, it, and you have to be comfortable with that because sometimes there is personality conflict. And sometimes, guess what? The customers either outgrow you or you outgrow the customer. And that's okay. Right. And, you know, you bringing up your dentist example makes me think, uh, you know, I've I've read all these reports about dentists, you know, kind of like lawyers, they have a higher suicide rate and depression rate, all of these different things. And, you know, everybody business has a physical capacity. We all understand the limits of we can only handle so many customers because we can only churn out so many things from our plant or whatever it is that you do. 
but we've also got an emotional capacity. And that's got to be true for a dentist and other types of medical professionals that they can't, they just can't handle uh, the mental overload of, of just having too many patients. Yeah, because they of, of just being genuinely concerned for them, right? I mean, they, and, and again, because they should be reserving capacity for emergencies, which can and do happen in those particular fields. But but happen, I mean, I, I, it happens all over. It's not just medical profession, right? There are there are accounting emergencies. There 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 are the technology emergencies. These these things do happen. So we have to be able to reserve capacity uh, for that. So yeah, I, I this such a it's such a great law, Ron. That you know, that you developed, and uh, I, I think it, it's abundantly clear. But like, like I said, the question is, okay, how, how do you do it? What, what, what do you do about it? Um, and you know, people are very uncomfortable with sometimes, hey, we got to get rid of some people. <laughs> we actually had a big schematic, as you know, out of a 777 you know, airplane blown up and with the different classes, first class, business class, coach, and made them you know, fill out what percentage of your clients are in each one of these you know, bulkhead sections. And it really makes you think about how much of our capacity are we allocating to low value customers, which is probably putting at risk our best customers because we're not paying adequate attention to them. And and so the idea resonates, but it is just really hard to get firms or other businesses to, to deliberately get rid of customers that are a bad fit. Yes, and, and but they just they can't. They just they, there's some kind of emotional wall because they always think that the next big engagement is right around the corner, and it's the customer that they just got rid of. Well, Paul O'Byrne used to say, "What fire a customer? What, what are you talking about? They fire us." <laughs> <laughs> Completely true. Well, okay, well, when we come back, Ed, we're going to dive into one of your laws that I absolutely love. But folks, in the meantime, I'd like to remind you, check out our website at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can listen to the show there and, and get all the show notes. And also, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, go to ask or uh, hashtag AskTSOE. And uh, in the meantime, we want to hear from our sponsor, Azamba. Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. What if you could close more business with less effort and do it faster? What could your people accomplish if they had their own personal assistant keeping track of meetings and reminding them of follow-ups? What would it mean to have a perfect view of what your team and your prospects and your customers are doing? What if you could run your business from anywhere? You can have it all. Visit www.azamba.com forward slash soul today to find out how. That's azamba, A-Z-A-M-B-A dot com forward slash soul. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the foreword changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. In that last set of commercials, you heard from our friends at Azamba. In fact, Peter Wolf is going to be our first guest, our first live guest. It's at The Soul of Enterprise Live at Sage Summit 2015. So we're looking forward to seeing and talking to Peter there. Uh, Ron, I just want to, before we get back into our topic today, talk a little bit about some of the hashtag tweets that we've seen. And one, I just want to shout out to Ryan O's, who retweeted uh, at QBK Accounting, who said, I'm hooked on uh, Ron Baker show, The Soul of Enterprise, and strongly recommend it to business people. So thanks to both of you for tweeting and retweeting on that. We also had the CPA superhero. I love that handle, the CPA <laughs> super handle, who retwe- uh, retweeted CPA underscore EH, who said, it w- it's actually a quote from Jules Goddard. And I just so worth saying again, I love this quote. Strategy is the rare and precious skill of staying one step ahead of needing to be efficient. <laughs> Gotta love that one. That's one of my that, favorite. That is a profound law all by itself. Thank you, that Dr. Is a Jules Goddard. Law. Yes, yes. Brilliant. <laughs> And then, of course, uh, Open Item List, which I think is another great Twitter handle for a an accountant at Open Item List, uh, quotes you, Ron, and says, a challenge to a good accountant is to say, how can you measure differently in a way that would enhance our competitive advantage? Love that. So uh, thanks, Open Item. And then here is a question that that's uh, at CP underscore EH had for both of us. He Remember we were talking in a Free Rider Friday, Ron, about the, the terms manager? I think you brought it up. Uh, right. David but, White, the poet, talked about yeah. how it comes from riding a horse and all that. Yeah. Yes, yes. And he says in in his organization, he uses the word team member. Then uh, that's up and down. But he was trying to replace, what should, what should we replace manager with? And he sa- says, what about activator or stimulator? Hmm. That's interesting. I like that. I like that. I'm, I'm still kind of partial ed to colleague. Love colleague, which is what we've moved to at Sage. Love it. Yeah, yeah, I I, I like that. I like that. I, it's got a lot of good uh, connotations. I think. I, I agree, and you know that, and that's both up and down the chain. I get. Do you think that we you do need to have a a word for the relationship? The you know. Uh, mentor, I don't know. I, I think men- mentor is probably bad because that's something that should be chosen, not imposed. Right, right. Yeah, I do think I yeah, team member, associate. Yeah, I know. Tar- doesn't target colleague associates? Isn't that their big thing? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, people are going to refer to their colleagues somehow. Right. right. And I just would hate it to see it to be staff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like the infection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, let's th- th- thank you all and keep those 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 tweets coming and certainly please do keep the reviews on iTunes coming as well uh, and we do love to hear from you. So please send us the those emails tsoe at verisage.com. All right. Uh, we had Baker's law. Then I got jealous cuz you had a law. So I had to come up with my own. I think and it took me, I don't know, 18 months after learning about Baker's Law to come up with Kless's first law, and then they came up with a second. But let's just take... So you now you're behind me. Matt, so you're way ahead of me on this. So. <laughs> All right, so Kless's first law was, he who liveth by the discount, shall ye also perish by the discount. 
<laughs> I love that. Yep, yep. I just, well, I hate, as many of you know, the word discount at all. I mean, I just hate it, and it, mostly okay. because I think it's used completely inappropriately. In that it should it should be preferred price or uh or or what's the other one, Ron? Preferred price or promotional price? I uh, like promotional price and, be, and began again because it's using the word price, and it also qualifies in some way. Like promotional price says, "Hey, this is only this one time." I find once you use the term discount, that's it. It's it, it's stuck forever. You get yeah. that ten or twenty percent discount the first time. You're gonna ask, keep asking for it. I guess you could ask for the preferred price or the promotional price again. But I just think that the language is less apt to be muddled that way. Yep. No, I, I don't think you're creating a little Pavlov when you say preferred price, but you certainly are when you just use the word discount because they're just going to keep asking for it. Yeah. No, and they are and they, and they do. And my, my point in the coining of that law was is that if, if you go about offering those discounts, again, it's forever going to haunt you. But – what is what it also does is it then leads you to a price war, right? Which th- therefore you're going to perish by the discount at some point because someone else is going to figure out a way to do it faster, faster, cheaper, and then you're going to have to either reinvent yourself in some way and not get paid for your uh, effectiveness and efficiency. Uh, and it's just, it's just it's just a long term strategy. It's a it's a it's a slow death cut death by a thousand cuts strategy. It does. It destroys value across an entire industry. And it's it's interesting, Ed, when you hang around the Professional Pricing Society folks, one of the biggest topics of discussion is always the, the discount. And you know, pricers spend a lot of time. That's usually the low-hanging fruit. Let's analyze our discounts. Why are we giving these? There doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason for it other than just what do we need to do to close the sale. So it becomes a tactical move rather than a strategic move. Yeah, and and there's and I, and I challenge organizations to actually measure the discounts, right? If there's anything they're going to measure, and you know we're not big on measurement, but if there's anything that you're going to going to measure on a regular basis, measure the difference between your actual price or your what you, what your price you, that you should get is, and the and the quote discount that you're giving. And then just remember at the end of every year, what you should do is take that discount amount and add it to your bottom line. And that's what you've given away. Yeah, absolutely. And when, and when you do that, you'll also find that you're giving a disproportionate amount of discounts probably to low-value customers. And there, again, it, there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason behind the policy. It's very ad hoc. So it is. It's just like uh, attaching dollars to every product that goes out your door. Yep. Yeah, there's a great story in the software industry about this too, Ron. Which is, I think, I th- it's always attributed I, where I've heard it to Oracle, but you know what? It could, it, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> it applies to all. It doesn't apply, right? And 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 that is is that there, it was the 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 last day of a quarter, and one of the sales leaders in the organization was getting concerned how things were were going, and uh, he he calls down to the 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 shipping department. This is when you know. Software companies actually ship software, and uh, so I was asking. So you know how 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 how's it going? This is again the last day of the quarter. How how's it going? And the the uh, the shipping clerk says to the sales VP, I, I don't know. Uh, the 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 years where the quarter's only half over because it's noon or something. <laughs> yeah, it's like noon on the the last day. <laughs> well, 
isn't there an awesome statistic that something like at one point, like Oracle and SAP and others had four, you know, a disproportionate amount of sales in the last day or week of the quarter because they, they had just trained basically their customers to wait and yeah. they knew they could get those discounts. And you know, and this, you want to talk about something that gets, you know, a lot of bad play to me, and maybe this is just the way that I think about it, but to me, it, that is, that's pricing astrology, right? You're actually, think about this. You're actually basing your price on the position of the earth in its revolution around the sun. (laughs) So true. It's so true. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, Mars is in retrograde. So, I mean, it's like- well, I, it's one of the things that I think you know accountants have kind of foisted on the business world are these artificial cycles, quarterly, annually, whatever. But a business is more than a quarter or even a year, and we should have a longer term perspective on these things. All right. Well, and listen, one, one of the interviews that we're going to be doing at, at Sage Summit 2015 is with a guy named John Field. And it, he, his, his company does something pretty interesting. They sell mostly to cemeteries. And one of the things that we need to ask him about is his conversations that he has with regard to long-term view of his customers. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, a decade is the cycle. <laughs> it's like a year. well and you know cemeteries i would imagine probably do really think about uh customer loyalty and you know and all of that and long term like by the century yeah absolutely they have to nature of the the business that yeah that'll be great look forward to that interview he's he's got some interesting stories to tell about that so all right let's move on to Cluster's second law excellent Uh, we'll get get through this which which i actually like this one better and this is a a riff on uh some work that peter block did and that that is is all measurements are actually judgments in disguise i i love this is my favorite ed i love this and i love how you explain it can you can you and you've told the story once but can you tell it again about when you stand in front of an audience and ask yeah. them how fast am i moving yep yep so i'll usually stand there and i'll pick somebody in the front row and if i know them by name i'll just say or i'll try to get their name off the off the name to you know jack how fast am i moving uh really slow ed <laughs> well yeah i'm just standing here so is it z- so zero miles an hour yeah okay unless of course you view me from a point above the 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 earth um and you'll see that i'm actually going or you know the earth is is uh rotating it at a thousand miles an hour roughly right unless of course you view me at a point north of the solar system in which case you'll see that the earth is moving at about a you know uh 15,000 miles an hour through uh, as in it as it uh, revolves around the sun and then of course if you go to the you know, center of the Milky Way galaxy, you'll see that the entire solar system is going at about 1,550,000 miles an hour as it rotates around the center of the, of the galaxy. Man, I'm tired. <laughs> right? <laughs> because, it, and, this, and I, what I call it is, it's Einstein's theory of relativity applied to business. Like, literally, you have to understand that every time you say, Let's measure something. You are making a judgment as to what to measure. Yeah, I, and and I just love that because it fits so well into kind of like our second law of pricing that all prices are contextual. Really, it's all decisions are contextual, but also it fits really well with the seven moral hazards of measurement. Without that subjective component, uh, a measurement is just blind and stupid. Mm-hmm. 
and it might not be the right thing that you're going for because we all know you you will get what you measure but you may not be very happy with it yeah and it might be the inappropriate measure you've got a line about thanksgiving right with the turkey where it, 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 you're plunging your ruler <laughs> oh, pl- pl- plunging the ruler into the into oven to determine into the oven to determine the yeah, temperature yeah. right you've got the wrong you've got the wrong measurement i mean so therefore so it's 4 inches ron <laughs> yeah well you know we joke about this all the time but the you know when a baby's born our per capita gdp goes down and when a sheep is born it goes up yep. uh, well that's crazy i mean <laughs> but but that's what the measure says yeah so, so I just sad. I love that law. That's my favorite of of your laws. That that uh, is really really well done. Well, we do have a couple of others, and we're not going to I don't think get to them all in the show. Maybe we'll just power through them after this last break here. But we do want to remind you that we'd love to see you at Sage Summit 2015. So please stop on by in New Orleans, and of course you can get a hold of us at TSOE at verisage.com um, hashtag. Ask TSOE if you want to follow us on Twitter. And, of course, you can get show notes as well as listen to any of our previous shows on thesoulofenterprise.com. So we're pretty easy to find, and we'd love to, for you to review the show on iTunes as well. But right now we're going to hear from my employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees. A 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the foreword to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its foreword. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the foreword and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio. Voice America Business Network. Are tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit verisage.com you may also tweet us at verisage that's v-e-r-a-s-a-g-e now back to the soul of enterprise well welcome back everybody we're here talking about verisage laws and we've already done a couple of them but uh, ed here here's one of my all-time favorites because it is so controversial and it is that ideas are always and everywhere more important than their execution. 
<laughs> and this is the one that I was alluding to earlier. I was standing in the back of the room at when you did this, the, your your uh, keynote at the Professional Pricing Society. I mean, it was like you shot them, Ron. When you <laughs> said this. It was like, it was this, I mean, I thought people were going to start picking up chairs and throwing them at you. It was... <laughs> Because <laughs> you did ask me afterwards, I, I did the 10 business myth, folks, and this was one of the myths. Uh, we, yeah. we put it out that way, and Ned asked me, which one do you think was the most controversial? And I got it wrong. I didn't think it was this one, but yeah, sure enough, it was. And even all the feedback afterwards, people said, I agreed with almost all of them, except that one was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> You're just dead wrong, Baker. But, but and, and, and that I think some of it is because in the business world, you know, it's execution. There's even a really popular best-selling book called Execution. Good book. Very good author. book, actually. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's all about execution. It's all about execution. And I get that. But who spun my head around on this was somebody, uh, fortunately, we've had on the show. And it's Dr. Thomas Sowell. And he writes about this in his book, Knowledge and Decisions. And he says, look, uh, good ideas are not everywhere. You know, it, it, takes, it takes really good ideas to be executed properly because there's no good way to execute a bad idea. Mm-hmm. You know, was Napoleon's invasion of Russia a good idea or was it bad execution? Communism. Communism, socialism. Right. Um, you know, pick your, pick your bad idea, but... But we're we're hounded by bad ideas. I mean, I, I used to joke that, you, you know, if, if if good ideas were everywhere, we wouldn't have remakes of the Dukes of Hazard and Bewitched. And now, did you see where they're remaking the Vacation movie? Yes, <laughs> Chevy Chase. It's like what what's going on with Hollywood? Did they run out of ideas? Really, they have to go back thirty years and pull a Chevy Chase movie <laughs> out of the archives and redo it and re re redo it. Read, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't, I, and and this this one is completely visceral to people. I think the first time I heard it, I was I was would respond viscerally to it because it it does seem so completely. There's this phrase again, counterintuitive, because people are like, no, it's got what if you so if you have an idea and you don't execute it, it dies. Well, yeah, but the the ideas that are out there, we we know what they are. Right, we know what they are. It's about coming up with something new and different, and and a, and a new way of thinking about something. That that's the stuff that gives you the the S curve jump or even the logarithmic jump. Right? It's it's not just taking an old idea and and executing better on it. That that's that's the you know little geometric jumps, right? Or arithmetic jumps, I should say, not even ge- geometric. Let's that's, that's just, just, you know, popping it up 2 to 5%. Okay, yeah, I guess you, when you want to eke that last little bit out, I suppose, but it's it's really the idea that makes this this huge jump, that makes the makes the key difference. And, and that is the context, how, how Thomas Sowell explains this empirically. He says, if you look at countries that come up with more ideas, Rather than just merely executing, you know, things that other people, uh, other people's ideas, you'll see higher standards of living in those countries that have more ideas, that generate more ideas. And that's kind of the thrust of innovation in general. And it's interesting at this Peter Thiel book I mentioned, Zero to One, that's exactly what he's talking about. So it's just even more empirical evidence that coming up with something new and, you know, ideas are tested in the marketplace and, and most of them fail. Mm-hmm. But the good ones, like Apple and Google, they survive. And, and 
you know, that's how we get innovation and, and growth. So it, it is very counterintuitive, but I, I stand by it and I can, I can uh, debate it pretty well, I think. And I, I think Soul's right. I think this is absolutely true. Deirdre McCloskey, market tested innovation and supply. And supply. <laughs> So, Ed, you've got another law up here that I absolutely love, too, because I've heard you say this so many times in the context of consulting and, and project management even, and, and that is your prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. <laughs> yeah, mine. It's completely stolen from medicine. Right. I mean, I, 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 I'm not the first person that said this. This is, a, this is a, a a riff and a derivative. I call it the second law of medicine. The first being do no harm. But in a sense, um, you are doing harm by prescribing before diagnosing. So, uh, or you can't be sure. I should say you can't be sure if you are not doing harm if you don't um, diagnose first. And look, this get this gets a lot of people a little bit upset, especially. Uh, people who want to make sales, right? Because they're like, well, you know, let, let's get in there. Let's get let's get it sold. Okay, but maybe they don't need this. Do we do we know that they need it? Well, they say they need it. Okay, but do you know this for sure? And I think once pushed on this, most people do come to the conclusion that I'm right with this is that we have to we have to diagnose the situation. And and this is again in the context of it as a consultant. Right, we do have to diagnose the situation before we prescribe, because otherwise you're just, you know, you know, you 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 it'd be inappropriate to throw Vi- Viagra at someone who's having a heart attack, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> you could create an iatrogenic illness, like again, borrowing from medicine, right? You prescribe and you create all sorts of other problems. Yeah. Without yeah. a without a valid diagnosis, you know, and, and I think this is true in all fields. I, the military's got a great uh, saying that I just love. Their own law: time spent on reconnaissance is never wasted. Mm-hmm. And I just love that because it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, no, no, that is the, a, a variation of this the same thing. But I, I think people get the prescription before diagnosis because you can just simply tell the story about you know, hey, listen, if you went to your doctor and and said. Um, I need triple bypass surgery. Just give it to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doctor's not. I mean, even if you're coming with, well, I've already seen a previous physician who tell, told me I need triple bypass surgery. So, but I, I, I don't want that other person to do it. I want you to do it. So I'm ready. Let's do it. Right. 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 And, and no doctor is going to just do the triple bypass surgery without doing their own examination of you. Right and confirm the di- the, the diagnosis. And in fact, if they if they didn't, y- y- they're a quack. Y- it is <laughs> it is malpractice, and you'd run away, right? Yep. So it's it, it's it's such an easy way to describe it. I think what people get hung up on, and it's it's similar to the whole thing about the you know the 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 discount, is that they're like, well, but this could this could delay, this could delay a a, a sale. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, it could. But it, it it and 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 I have had sometimes been referred to in previous well, previous life as the as the sales prevention team um, be, because <laughs> I believe this and what I morph that to and what I try to come down on the side is, is no 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 I'm not the sales prevention team I'm the and this is going back to Baker's law I'm the bad customer prevention team right because you know it, uh, under that Baker's law there's another great I think saying that. Bad business is not better than no business, and what right. that really means is bad customers is 
is, is not better than no business. Um, the other, and just on that, I'll just throw one more at you. I know we've only got a minute here, but because um, I, I also believe this is true, and this is another one of those counterintuitive laws, that marketing and selling are not complementary. They're adversarial. Yeah, that's that's another good one to get people a visceral reaction, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I mean, that, the, and that's that's Drucker, though. I mean, it is know. Drucker. It is Drucker, and and you know, he said in a perfect world, you wouldn't need salesmen you, because your marketing would be so good, people would line up for your product. And again, you look at Apple. Yeah, yeah. He, you guys he, are always he, talking about Apple. About Apple. <laughs> I can't beat Apple. But it's true. Or Google, or just look at the number of brands that have built up billion-dollar companies without really any, um, you know, advertising, just because their product was so good and people lined up for it. Starbucks, Facebook, LinkedIn. I mean, there's a whole group of them. But yeah. anyway, there's a lot more Ed that we could talk about. But those are some of our. Those are certainly some of my favorite of yep. of our sayings and our laws. So really sell your glad Starbucks stock stock the first time you see a Starbucks commercial. That's when you'll know. <laughs> so Ed, what do we have on store for next week? Oh man, next week we are going to be having one of our famous Free Rider Friday shows, Ron. So I'm thrilled. I've I've got so much stuff in my stack already. Me too. Me too. Yep. Uh looking forward to that. I guess I'll see you in 167 hours. <laughs> This has been the Soul of Enterprise, business in the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, come see us at Sage Summit or visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com. One, two, three, four.